And welcome back. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is officially back in session. And we are here for another guest speaker episode. If you are new to the channel and the podcast, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that. And I am thrilled to have my guest for this episode. We have the one and only Johan Lennox joining the podcast tonight. I'm so excited to have you, Johan. Thanks for joining the uh, the Turntable Teachers podcast, man. Really, really thrilled Th- to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm you excited as well. Same. Thank you again. Like I said, a thrilled to have you and just someone with your uh, with your credibility, everything you've been doing, and uh, you're really just doing a great job repping Massachusetts. Uh, definitely, you're oh, out, yeah. definitely out west now, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm back and forth, but yeah, definitely all the all the music stuff's happening in LA for the most part. Yeah, definitely. And I just just while we're here, like before we get started and talking about you know your story and and what you've you know been doing over the last few years, just want to of course thank you so much for. Uh, you know, just showing us a lot of love and support on socials and things like that. It's great to have yeah. you uh, in comments and, you know, liking all our stuff. And the, the Benny Blanco thing had my co-host and myself laughing pretty hard when you uh, made the Benny Blanco comparison. So we were, yeah. we, were, we were geeking about that. That was pretty funny. Just being honest. <laughs> and I obviously, before we start, too, just want to congratulate you because you got production credits on John Legend's uh, Grammy award-winning album that just uh, just happened last night as we're recording this. So uh, I guess I'll start there. That's that's a pretty big big feat, I, I would think. How's yeah, that? I'm hoping. I think I get like a plaque or something. I think uh, it's they they can't give uh, they can't give the actual like gold to like you know all like a hundred people that worked on the album. You know, it goes sure. to him and the exact producer. But next year, uh, you know, maybe get the get the real thing. But it was tight. I, I was actually I was on three projects that got nominated. I was on that one. The Aunt Clemens uh, EP and um, the Big Sean uh, single, um, I think it was the one with Nipsey Hussle, Deep Reverence, Deep that Reverence, got nominated yeah. for his performance. So, but yeah, so I got one out of three wins. Works for so, yeah. That's definitely yeah. it's better than nothing. The nom- I would take the nominations personally. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. That's awesome. Right, cool. Congratulations. And so, what did you work on on John Legend's uh, album on that specifically? Like, what did you did you just do your normal kind of strings and, and yeah, pretty much. Yeah, my friend Digi uh, produced that record, and he had me like demo some strings on it. Um, and then I think John Legend maybe has like a a orchestra or band that he generally works with because they definitely went over my stuff and added new stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like what's actually on that song is like not that audible from me although i can tell it's there and i'm credited in shit but like sorry i can't curse on here can i yes you so can absolutely to... absolutely you can oh, okay yep. great oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna really use that thing. <laughs> but um yeah so uh it is like a little bit of audio I, I'm, I'm actually i'm like more audibly involved on the on the other two things i was okay. that i was involved with from the, the three i listed but yeah still still awesome and uh absolutely you know that's def- re- definitely counts, you know. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, like I said, I would even just take the nomination. So that's gonna be great that you uh, you get a little plaque with that too. Actually, actually, you answered my next question. I was like, are you gonna get anything for that? But that's. Pretty I think cool. it's like yeah, I've seen him in my friend's studios. Like it's just uh, it's like a yeah, it's like a certificate of like having been on a Grammy winning thing, which is uh, you know different from a 
the, something that you can actually like pee in uh, Kanye style, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's I awesome. guess you could pee on it, but it won't. You know, it's not gonna survive. It, it would. It wouldn't have the same effect. I don't think it would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And especially like putting that. I mean, you could always wash a cup. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think you can. Yeah, no, nah, it just doesn't pee work. On a certificate. I would. I would. I wouldn't pee on it. Just if, that would probably be good. Uh, Thank you. Good rule yeah. of thumb. <laughs> I'll take that in advisement. <laughs> anyway. Johan Lennox, you are originally from Massachusetts, Winchester specifically, which is, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm from North Shore, so not, not too, too far. Nice. I, I lived in Medford for a little while, so I, oh, I totally, yeah, right next door. Yeah, totally familiar with the area. Uh, so I really just want to, I guess we'll start at the roots here and talk to, I want to just talk to you a little bit about and, and get a sense of, you know, how did you kind of get into music? I know you really come from more of a classical com- uh, composition background, um, and you taught yourself piano when you were seven years old. Uh, So talk to me a little bit about your early years and influences in music and and what got you started with certain instruments and just music in general. Yeah, I, um, I, well, I mean, my parents had a piano in our house, so, so I was like, I think it was just like a toy to me. Like I just sort of like, and it gradually became a thing that I just like kept being curious about and trying to, you know, so by the time I was like halfway through like elementary school, I had already been just spending ungodly amounts of time on it, just learning my way around the instrument and to this day that's really like how I've learned most of what I feel like I know about piano I mean I did take lessons at one point and they were, I didn't like the structure I didn't like having to um memorize other people's music I always have done it more from the perspective of playing by ear and just making stuff up so that was like a few years later but yeah initially it was just me on my own and um yeah, and then uh, let's see. I think the next thing that happened was that my my dad brought me a copy of uh, the Indiana Jones soundtrack, which I'm not really sure why he thought I would find that interesting. <laughs> but I, I think there was some reason why I was made because I hadn't actually seen the movies yet. But for some reason, I was like aware of that music, and he had just seen it and thought I would enjoy it and brought it for me. And I became obsessed with it. And um, the music is for for that and a lot of these movies, like Spielberg movies, is by John Williams. And John Williams was also the conductor of the Boston Pops. Oh, wow. uh, so I used to, like, after I got into that, my parents would, like, take me to see him conduct, and he would do, like, film night at the orchestra or whatever, and so I'd actually see some of his music in concert. And so, yeah, so, like, by, by, like, you know, the end of, whatever, by, like, middle school, let's say, like, my, my like, entire conception of what I wanted to do as a musician was basically just, like, be him and, like, write film scores, conduct for orchestra or whatever. Um, and so they got my parents again helped me i'm just really grateful obviously that like they just you know took this stuff seriously and tried to help me but there was a music school in winchester that i started going to on like afternoons you know for lessons and studying how to compose music and then quickly moved to new england conservatory on huntington in boston which is just again it was like just one day a week lessons uh, in composing classical music and i started going to like summer camp at tanglewood which is a classical music program in western mass and just like really um yeah just fully in that world and like kind of lost interest in film music and just became purely interested in like writing music for orchestras and choirs and string ensembles and stuff to play and those groups do exist around the country and they do commission people to write music for them and so i became someone who would like get paid to write music for these groups and go take a bow after they did so and flying around the country just being like this prodigy composer and that was kind of yeah that was pretty much everything i had done in music until a few years ago so has it been most of us a really cool kind of way to get into it? I feel like this, yeah. I would never have expected like orchestra to what you're doing now, working on, you know, a plethora of different genres and music. I mean, definitely a lot of hip hop for sure. You've been on yeah. uh, some of the names we'll get into in just a little bit. Uh, people will definitely be 
uh, shocked by if, if they don't really know, know you. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing. That's why another reason why I wanted to have you on was because I feel like people that are kind of behind the scenes of certain artists don't really get the credit that they necessarily deserve or like not, not maybe not the credit they deserve, but like yeah. not really in the limelight. You know what I mean? Because when you think of Kanye West, Big Sean, Travis Scott, you just kind of a lot of people, I think, see the entity or the the per, or the artist that is those guys that yeah. really, really consider like what kind of all the, the background and, and everybody that's really involved behind the scenes, you know, so. Yeah, well, it's true with everything. I mean, you know, you watch a movie, you think about true. the actors in the movie. You maybe, if you are really into movies, think about the director, but you're not right. really thinking about like who did the lighting or whatever, unless you're just a crazy specialist. But yeah. I'm okay with that. But yeah, I mean, I think my goal since getting into that sort of more contemporary like hip hip hop and pop music has been to be the center of the, the of it and be a star and like I've, that's why I've been putting music out and that's sort of why like increasingly my focus is just getting my own you know stuff going and getting sure. on tour and that's sort of um, I think the the collaborations with these other artists have been really inspiring and I think it's but for me the the, the way I th really think of it is like oh these are relationships I want to build with like fellow artists and like yeah I can get my way in by being like hey do you want strings on this song or whatever but once I'm there it's like hey I make music too like check it out blah 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 like would you hop on my song on my album you know like can, can yeah. we maybe I can open for you on tour or whatever like right. I'm thinking of it as like as a, this like longer term strategy to like towards like becoming a, just a full time artist um, so yeah, yeah, definitely like a good gateway into that for sure. I mean, especially yeah, if, just any way you can get your foot in the door and like, I mean, it, it took a while honestly even for that to work. Like, like I always when I decided I wanted to switch over to that type of music, like I knew intuitively that like being a string arranger was a way that I could probably get in with a lot of people because it's right. unique and a lot of people want strings. But it took me like three years before anyone actually like would hire me to do that type of work because I just hadn't really proven myself or figured out how to like make it very easy to do for yeah. people. Um, but, uh, now that I, now that I've done that, it's become the thing that I do for like every single artist ever. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so with piano and then you say strings. So what do you mean by that? Do you mean guitars or how, what type of strings? Um, I mean like mean? violin, viola, cello, awesome. and yeah, like, like, like classical music. So, I mean, it was, it, it just literally directly what I learned in, um, in uh you know as, as a classical composer just like and so i don't even play those instruments like what i do is i write sheet music on software that is like sheet music software and like the notes and like directions as to how to play it and then the musicians who are all like classically trained musicians they can just read it and play it on the first take which is like i think another thing that like if if, it, if a producer just hires a violinist there's often like a lot of just like really slow back and forth where they're trying to communicate what they want or they're like trying to figure out the parts one at a time by ear which is how most people in pop music and hip hop music do everything but you know string players have learned how to just like they can just read it and play it right the first time and have it sound incredible if you actually know how to write it so it's like that that I, I can kind of get a lot more done a lot more quickly I think because of that in part and also just like I don't even need to be in the room with the string players, honestly. Like, you know, the idea is I can just send them PDF music and they know exactly what to do because it's, it's written right, you know? Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. That's very unique then, I, I would say, because yeah. so, you're not, so you're really just composing and actually writing the, the music for other people to, to play. Yeah, and, and that really is, like, what the job of a composer, especially in a classical setting, is. Like, mm -hmm. they, they don't really play anything. They just, you know, and if you go to an orchestra concert and there's a composer who wrote a piece of music for them, the composer just gets up at the end after it's done, comes up to the stage and yeah. like takes a bow That's at the right. conductor's like invitation. Like they don't, they don't, they're not performing in the thing usually. Yeah. So gotcha. it's, it's a weird, you know, it's kind of like a DJ, I guess in some ways, like <laughs> DJs do kind of perform. But if you think about like, 
Well, actually, since you said Benny Blanco, like Benny Blanco puts out songs now where it's like Justin Bieber and Benny Blanco. Right. And what Benny Blanco did on it is produce the song, but it's not, you know, he's like, that is like a composer, but he's not, mm-hmm. he's not singing on it. You know what I mean? No, it makes, makes total or sense. Or playing an instrument. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's yeah. like a producer. Yeah, you're almost like the, yeah, the, the DJ version of, of classical music. I like that a lot. That's a good, good analogy for sure. Of course, we, yeah. I'm an English teacher, so I definitely like, like analogies and things like that. Um, Great. Yeah, yeah, it works out. Um, so yeah, so that's really great. I'm though curious, like, so where was your transition from? Of course, you know, you're from Massachusetts, as you mentioned, Winchester. And so what was the transition for you, like being in Massachusetts and then ending up in LA? Like what was kind of the, the bridge to that? Um, after school, I was in like New York for a year, but I basically like, as soon as I finished my like classical education, I've had always been interested in finding a way for like classical music to like reach a bigger audience and be more of an influential part of our culture, I guess Mm -hmm. in in America right now. And I had been working on a bunch of different ideas for like shows and things that I thought could, could kind of help it be that way. And sort of concluded that like, yeah, all that stuff can be great and people could really like it, but like it's so expensive to get that stuff up and for people to really hear about it, it really helps if, if the person who's doing it is like Kanye or like, you know, Beyonce or someone who's just kind of like, look, you know, like you already trust me because of my status as a musician that you listen to like now check out this much weirder thing. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like if I had that kind of platform, it would really help. Um, so there was, it was a pretty like strategic decision in that sense, but I, from the more like, like inspirational aspect of it was just like having heard Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy like I wasn't really that aware of him before that to be totally honest like I really, really? just wasn't aware of like pop culture at all like huh. I was straight up just in this weird like living under a rock kind of you know fully classical weirdo world you know I and mean, that's yeah. just like how it is with a lot of people in that world um, so I think hearing that album and my friend just played it for me at like a house party and I was just like this is um, you know this is like really sick in a lot of the ways that I think classical music is and like that it just made me realize like, oh, like they will, they'll, they'll go with Kanye. This audience will, will ride with him for some pretty crazy musical decisions because he's already proven himself, I guess. Mm. And I think I, I just started to see how the whole thing could kind of work. So, I mean, that's basically like the rest of my life. I feel like that's sort of what I'm trying to do is be this artist and then do these bigger ideas around classical music. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I mean, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy for as polarizing as it's been and with critics and things like that. I mean, I personally am of the opinion that it's an absolute classic. I love that album so much. Yeah, it's yeah. Probably one of my favorites. I mean, I have, where is it? Oh, I got, Same. yeah, I got, I got college dropout up here, but I definitely love my beautiful dark twisted fantasy just as a, as a full project. I love the creative liberties that he took with that, with that album. Yeah. Just the, yeah, it really, the orchestration of it really, honestly, a lot, and a lot of those songs is just beautiful in my opinion. I mean, a lot yeah. of, I think that, that's not going out on a limb by any stretch. But uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that album's like pretty universally beloved. I think Yeezus maybe is a more controversial album. Just although I think that one's uh, mm-hmm. more. Um, I think that one's like even more exciting to me just from a compositional standpoint. But just the fact of what happened was that it was before that, so I was already sure. kind of on that train once that came out, and that just fueled it further for me. That's super cool. So yeah. you, so you go from never hearing really Kanye West until My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. So you kind of missed the whole what I would consider the um, the, the the school uh, trilogy that he had with, yep. of course, with College Dropout and Late Registration and Graduation. And so you've gone from that to actually working on some of Kanye West's music. I know you worked on a little bit of the good music 
like the the albums that they were dropping. I think it was it 2018 when the, like those yeah. five albums dropped when it was his and the kids see yeah. ghosts and Pusha T and Tiana Taylor. So talk to me about how that whole concept came to be. Like, how did you get to you know going from from that moment to working with Kanye West and working on Kanye West's music? Like, what was that? Well, it was. I mean, it was another Kanye thing that happened in between, which is kind of part of it. And that's that I um I had done this concert with my friend Yuga Kohler, who's also he's from Lexington. So we're you know oh, wow. we actually knew each other from going to stuff in like Boston classical music stuff in high school, and he is now like an orchestra conductor and he like was thinking about it'd be interesting to do something with Kanye music with orchestra okay and so he hit me up and we kind of came up with the concept together and I composed the music and he conducted the orchestra and it was called Yeethoven <laughs> Kanye and Beethoven it was like a mashup of Kanye and Beethoven with live orchestra. It. it's like you can find it on on YouTube it's lots of little videos from it so that was like just a really sort of easy um like like it it, it went viral without a lot of effort because it's just Kanye orchestra, sure. I guess, you know. Um, so as a result of that, I think I, a lot of connections got made, including uh, with Mike Dean, who is a guy who works with Kanye on basically everything now. Right. And Mike Dean brought me in on some different stuff. He brought me in this artist designer who was kind of popping around the time. Yep. And he brought me in on Astroworld. And he brought me in with Kanye on two of those five albums, the Tiana Taylor and the Nas one. And I just a similar thing, like just doing live strings. In some cases I do these like choir textures where there's like just fifty stacked vocals with like harmony and stuff that kind of sounds like a choir and just Yeah. I mean to this day like those are kind of the things I do for everything now. But those were the my first um really big opportunities, I guess. And then at the same time I was working with like Vic Mensa a lot, who also I met through someone who had been at that concert, Yato, and so, and then through Vic, I met No ID, who's a legendary producer who also works with Kanye, totally and then legendary. through No ID, I met Big Sean and Snow Allegra, and I think by that point, it was all kind of, just kind of, you know, yeah. it's pretty easy to get in with people after that, because it was just all those names, yeah, yeah it was which, great, yeah, when and some of them, I mean, I saw like No ID last week, like, I, you know, I, <laughs> I still, and I talked to Mike Dean today, so yeah, I mean, definitely, um, it's, those relationships have continued, which is really grateful to those two, and it's actually kind of full circle, because I went back and listened to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy recently and i was like looking at the credits and a lot of the songs the only two people that are credited on like almost the entire project are mike and no id so it's and so basically like i've, I've kind of like done it now i feel like i'm just tight. yeah you're certainly plugged into to the right people no doubt um yeah, yeah you seem you seem pretty close from vic mensa uh, to vic mensa out of most of them from what i've what i've gathered and he's an artist i don't think has, gets enough credit i've really enjoyed seeing his progression um as an artist for sure i think that he he drops a lot of music that is very underrated, and and you just recently uh, worked on a song with, um, or you did some did some production with him with yeah. um, uh, Chance the Rapper and Wyclef, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. correct? Shelter. I think that one's really good. I think people, yeah, people who like sort of the old Vic will really like that song. I think that's mm. sort of the sound he's back on now. He's, uh, yeah, he he tries a lot of different things, and I, I know uh, that can alienate some people, but I think it's cool that he's just really open minded and he's done a bunch of different stuff. But yeah, lately he's kind of back on this sort of classic soul sample inflected like. Chicago sounding music, mm. I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've spent a lot. I probably spent more time with him than any other artist, just in pure hours. Maybe oh. Mr. Hudson for for Kanye oh, stands. Who know who yeah. Mr. Hudson is? I'll, uh, yeah, I do, I've yeah. spent insane amounts of time with him. He's he's a really good friend. Yeah, no, I remember Mr. Hudson for sure. That was the uh, that was the eight oh eight and Heartbreak days. When yeah, he was working with Mr. yeah, Hudson. way before my time. But he um, but he's still out here doing. I mean, he's working with like FKA Twigs right now and Janelle Monae and just all these great artists. So yeah. John Legend as well. Yeah. 
I really like FKA Twigs, what she's doing. She her new song with um, Hetty One and mm. Fred against phenomenal. If anyone had, we actually just reviewed that on the podcast uh, a oh, couple cool. weeks ago. Yeah, with with Phoenix or Benny the Benny Blanco doppelganger, as as you as you liked to say. Um, yeah, still laughing about that. Uh, you yeah you've definitely worked with like I said the resume speaks for itself I even heard uh, you you did recently just did another interview with uh, an affiliate of ours Seamus Hill over at uh, Mass Music Radio yeah. who we do a lot of work with I, I do some writing for them and we we nice. cost promote we do we do yeah we definitely work together and um, I heard in that interview and I was stunned and also excited because probably my favorite anyone that that knows me personally and has been listening to this podcast for quite a while I am a huge Brockhampton fan. So I'm oh, yeah. really excited to hear, like, how'd you get plugged into that? Are you on the Roadrunner album or whatever? Or have you did you do work on their upcoming project? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think I was on a bunch of songs and then, like, various songs got cut because certain feature artists didn't want to be on them or whatever. Things oh, okay. just, you know, got complicated. But there's one with, uh, I think it's, I guess I probably shouldn't say who's on it, but it has a big feature on it. Okay. And, I, and I have, like, some... Some production and like I think the song ends with like my vocal textures and stuff, which is cool. So that's really cool. Yeah, that that'll be I think the one. But there's other stuff that in the vault that they'll probably maybe will come out later. But um, yeah, I met um, I actually met them around the same time I met Stiz, which was weirdly at South by Southwest in Austin like four years ago, five years ago. Well, a lot of those guys are from down that area in Texas, I believe. The right? Brockhampton guys, yeah, yeah. Uh, had. Yeah, well, they're from all over. Like, Romeo's the producer, is actually from Connecticut. Yes, but like, is, but, yeah. The, but, yeah, they as a group sort of came together uh, outside of Austin. And, um, and yeah, so I was down there, like, with Boston people, like, with, like, Michael Christmas and, yeah. uh, you know, all these people, um, and, like, Tim LaRue and, and this dude Goodwin. Um, and um, while I was there, it was, like, the first ever Brockhampton performance as a band. Like, Kevin Abstract had been kind of doing stuff, but... Yeah, so I met them then, and I kind of lost touch because I didn't really have anything going on, and they blew up really fast, and I just yeah. sort of was not sort of in my, like, hustling bag, I guess, at the time that, that I am now. But um, but then, yeah, Romil just kind of found me on Instagram, like, last year during quarantine. I, somehow I must have come up in front of his page, and he was just, like, sort of was, like, intrigued, and I think he, like, maybe was like, I feel like I remember this kid. And then we linked back up. Yeah, like during quarantine, actually, uh, in their in their heavily ventilated large house, uh, <laughs> and and did a bunch of sessions and worked on, yeah, the album. Which I think it, then it, then the whole album got scrapped and like you know right. they redid a whole bunch of it. But like mm-hmm. a couple of the stuff we think things we uh, worked on are going to be on there. So yeah, uh, coming soon. I mean, I know it's happening because the the deal's done. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they yeah. just dropped like a promotion for it. So that's why I was that's yeah. why I was asking too. Because like I said, oh yeah, yeah. I went up to, um, they go to like Shangri-La a lot too, which is like uh, Rick Rubin's like studio complex yep. in Malibu. So I went there with them for a couple of days too, and that, that was pretty fun. And they're cool, and they're all super nice. Um, Kevin's uh, great. His real name's Ian, but he's a, uh, yeah. Ian Simpson, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really. With, oh, you're a stan. Oh, dude, so I've seen them three times uh, here, actually out in Massachusetts. Actually, nice. so their first show as a, as a group they had just come out with Saturation 2. My best friend and I went to, um, it was at Middle East Downstairs, which is just, it was it was an amazing venue to see them, first of all. Like, Rome, I'm not kidding, Romeo, I have video of it. Romeo is literally hanging from the rafters. Like, a huge mob of people. Like, they jumped into the crowd. I have, like, video of myself, like, literally six feet from Don McLennan as he's rapping from the rafters. Like, yeah. three feet from Merlin. I'm 
they're as so en- sick. yeah, just energy wise, like they just bring it, man. They really do. Like yeah, yeah it's like a party. It's it's incredible. I know they were going in person. They were like so calm and like quiet and shy. It's like hilarious, but yeah, I, I think it. I think that's how a lot of artists are. Yeah, I, I kind of I've got gotten that sense a little bit too, but um, yeah, yeah, even yeah, definitely, even just me talking to a lot of different artists. I know just even the, I mean more you know tapped into the local scene, of course, but I've definitely noticed yeah. that too. But I think maybe there's that balance. I I would think right, like you know being yeah. that performative side, but also kind of just you know trying to just be a regular yeah. regular human being, right? Like we're all human, so it's like yeah, yeah, I think a lot of artists also like use the live performance as a way to like be like like aspects of their person like like a lot of people who are actually shy use live performance as a way to like get out of their mm. head a little bit and go and go crazy for a minute that makes sense. and like i think a lot of these artists really are pretty quiet yeah if you take them off stage but yeah definitely. there's a range though there's definitely certain times i think like now there's more artists like that too especially maybe than there used to be oh yeah for sure i, I totally believe that there's definitely artists like i'm thinking like i was in the studio with nelly for some reason like a few months ago nelly and he's like yeah he's like I feel like he's kind of this like older style of star where like he is just a star all the time. He's not like he isn't some quiet weirdo who goes in the corner. Like he is just like a loud, dominating presence in a room that yeah. like it's just like if you're just in a room with twenty people and one of them's Nelly, like there's no question who's the most famous person in the room because he's just so <laughs> fucking like big personality and right. That's I feel like that's like the older style maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, he was. I mean, he was very exuberant. Just as a, you could just tell, right? Yeah, like maybe his it's energy. Him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but no, that's that's an interesting concept and and, and thought for sure. I mean, I, I definitely think there's a lot of merit in what you're talking about. I mean, you're, like I said, you're tapped into that 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 world, so I totally totally understand that. Um, yeah. Um, I'm curious as to sort of like what's been one like you, uh, maybe a most memorable moment or two, even if if you can't decide, but like a most memorable moment that you've had in your career so far, like working with again so many uh just just you know really big stars and names like what's been something that's really stood out to you uh in in your time uh out in LA or even just in yeah, the yeah. music scene in general I mean yeah there's like tons but I definitely think I mean the night I met No ID was pretty cool cuz it was the it was the Vic Mensa release party and I like like Scooter Braun was hosting it and I like had a big conversation with him and I like stood next to Jay-Z and Beyoncé for like an extended period of time and at one point was like playing piano making eye contact with Beyoncé which like you know it was a pretty uh was a pretty intense moment. I mean I've worked with a lot of big artists since then but I think because that was like the first time I had really been like around that kind of just excitement I feel like absolutely that was pretty cool. Was that intimidating for you at all? Like to just literally be playing? Yeah, I, I definitely was like drinking through it, which is I think a lot of how a lot of, you know, especially with the live aspect of things. So yeah, it's just like the most natural way to. But yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff. I mean, I think a lot. Of, uh, yeah, it's tough to say. Like, I mean, it's definitely true that just like you definitely remember like the big artists you were with. Like, I remember when Astro World dropped and just checking it and being like, oh yeah, there I am, like you know, or whatever, or like working on the Nas. Um, with you know where I briefly worked with like Kanye and like hearing that uh, at the release party the very first sound on the album was like my this choir sample I remade so it's just my voice that's it there's like no one else on it and it's just like you didn't know you don't even know if it's going to be on the album with some stuff like that because it's so chaotic so then when the thing drops and it's the first sound on the album and you didn't you, you know, you're preparing to listen through an hour waiting to find if any of your stuff made it and then and instead it's, right it's just like here you are just you nothing else <laughs> You know, like, like he says, me. Escobar season begins, and then the next 
15 seconds it's just me that's the, I, of the album, so. I literally remember that too like vividly yeah, like, yeah. i remember where I, I was actually in medford with my roommates we were listening to that in my basement yeah that's hilarious. <laughs> when that album came out yeah it's too, too, too that was pretty crazy too that because that day i had gone to six flags and so i was like coming back from six flags but i wasn't at because the release party was in new york and i was in la Oh wow! So they remember they remember they were like at the base of like the Brooklyn or Manhattan Bridge or something. I remember it was where they held it. Like there was some sort of on the water on the river. Um, yeah. So uh, that was a pretty crazy day. I was with do you know an artist named Pell, P E L L. Actually, I do. Didn't he yeah. do some? He did some work with. Um, I want to say Casey Veggies. I could be making that up though. Probably yeah. I uh, he's from it. New Orleans, so he. Um, he came up kind of around the same time as like Michael Christmas and them. I think they maybe performed together at one point. Um, okay. But he, um, I think the session was with him that night. So he was there when I got to see, when I got to hear myself on that song. And then I think the song we wrote that night ended up, because we were writing for him, but then I really liked the melody and reused it for my project. And it became, I think it's, it became a song that's actually on the album I'm dropping this summer. So Great. Yeah. No, that's, I'm that's just remembering that all now. Yeah, that's some great memories, moment. man, and I'm, I think you got a lot more left to make for sure. And uh, so, so what was this? Where was the transition for you? Because I know that again, like you talked about earlier, just being more of a composer. But where, how did you get into more like vocals? Like, where, when did that sort of come into play? Well, I mean, I've always known how to sing in terms of like, like just being in tune and stuff, and singing like learning parts because I was in like choir and stuff in high school and middle school and. And I was in like acapella groups in college and shit. But then, um, yeah, I guess when I decided, but yeah, I was never like a soloistic person who had like a clear vocal identity. And I think when I decided on that fateful day or whatever, or few months or whatever, when I kind of, after I got into Kanye, that I was like, I I really need to become an artist myself. Like I just was like, all right, I'm going to like really start embracing learning how to sing. And it's been it's been like a journey, really. I mean, I think you can hear some of the old stuff I dropped, and I'm singing like pretty differently from how I am now. And even even the EP I had last year, I've already kind of refined the vocal sound further since then. Like, I feel like I was singing a little more poppy, actually, than I really want to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was almost doing like a Mike Posner kind of thing, and I really just wanted to be a little sort of darker and in a way that fits with the orchestral music, I think, better. And I've... So I actually re-sang my entire unreleased album a couple months ago, just like went in the studio and redid the entire vocals for the entire thing because I just oh, wow. wasn't feeling how it was sounding. And um, yeah, it's been like a, a journey towards that. And like some of the songs that I have out, I'm actually probably, I'm trying to figure this out right now, but I'm trying to maybe release alternate versions of them before the album comes out where it's just like, I literally just, the vocals are different. Like the new vocal version of like, yeah. you know, I'll just drop them all at once and just be like here. Cause I feel like they're just so much stronger now and I've just learned a lot and I want, I'm not going to erase the old stuff, but I want, I want the best versions of some of those songs. Cause I do think some of them could blow up later. Like I feel like you sometimes find with an artist that like once everyone catches up to what they're doing, they go back and look at the old stuff and suddenly these old songs get a new second wind or whatever True, so i'd love for the like the best possible versions of those to be up but we'll uh we'll see there's some logistical hurdles around that but yeah that's um, so it's been a process it's fantastic and you just released a song that i am crazy about and we're all in, out especially in massachusetts we're all really enjoying yeah. it phases with cousin stiz so that was your lead single to your upcoming yeah. album what do you want to be when you grow up which you're claiming is coming out in the summer which is fantastic yeah uh, tell me a little bit about that song how it kind of shaped up and, and why that yeah. was a single. 
I mean, I wrote the initial idea for it, like, just at home. Like, I mean, sometimes I start these songs in, like, sessions with a producer and another songwriter or whatever, and we, like, try to make a song. And there's definitely a bunch on my album that are like that. But Phases is one I just was, like, in a chair at home and it was just, like, came up with it. And, like, um, there's a couple writers credited on it because I had written a song called Phases a year before that sounds nothing like it. And I just literally only kept the title line. But because of that, I was like, I need to credit these guys, too, because technically we wrote that one lyric together. Everybody's going through the phases. That's the only thing that stayed. Different melody, everything. But that's just, you know, how it is. Oh, everybody's going through the phases. Running through their own little mazes. So yeah, I wrote and produced this demo and then I just kind of had it uh, around. It was like figuring out the playlist on my album a bit uh, when I worked with Stiz on uh, trying to find my next thrill, his last album. And I think just because I, so I did a bunch of production on that album. Like if you just hear like any strings and outros of songs or vocals and the outros of songs, like that's usually the type of stuff I do on most records. So yeah. Good album. So, and I, I yeah, and I had, I'd like been friendly with that whole crew for a while and I've known Tim for a long time and so I was just kind of like look this is like more for me just about like working with people I like and, and you know want to build with so it's like I could try to get the la your label to like throw me a bag for it and like have managers and lawyers you know that's which is like usually how it works and in this case I was just like nah just don't worry about it like just get me on a feature on my on my album and so I just played him the song and he was like hell yeah so he just did it it came out fantastic. I'm, like I said, I, uh, everyone around here is definitely really enjoying it a lot. I'm really glad. And I think what I was saying earlier about singing, too, like I feel like the way I'm singing on that on that song is the sound that I'm kind of trying to yeah. do for my album. And it's just it just feels better to me vocally than a lot of the older stuff I have. So I feel like that that it's all been a process. But I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that's like the first single for the album because like it definitely showcases the fact that I'm from Boston, which is like a huge part of my identity. And if you look at the videos for the old stuff I put out, I try to shoot them all in the suburbs in and around, you know, like Woburn and, and Medford and, and um, that's going to always be a big part of my identity. So I thought that leading with that Stiz joint would be the, the perfect way to. I thought, to yeah, that. I thought, it was, so, that was really perfect. I, I really just, I think you're right too. I think the, the, the actual sort of aesthetic and sonic of like nature of the song really fits well with, and, and the, just the timbre in your voice and the way you kind of like were able to mix those vocals in a way that like it had yeah. such of a it was it really packed a punch. I really just again it's it's a song that I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying a lot of people. I know and a lot I'm of glad. people it's getting it's getting really good reception around here. So just I'm glad that up. that was the goal. And I've been also trying something different. Like I don't know if people want to know the whole like nuts and bolts of this shit sometimes, but like I've been like running ads specifically in Massachusetts. I just I, I, I don't know if that. you saw them, but I, I where did. I like specifically am talking about like you know I, I grew up here. This is what I did. This thing was just like I really want to tell that story and I feel like it's just you know obviously I'm in LA where like a lot of the big stuff I've done ha is and requires me to be but mm -hmm. in the end like I'm not really like passionate about LA like I don't really want palm trees in my fucking video like I'd much <laughs> rather be back in you know I think we I did most of the physics video in Waltham so I just I'm trying okay. to you know just I just want people to to yeah just to be aware of that part of my story if they can yeah absolutely and like thematically speaking with phases like what does that song kind of just mean to you as a as a you know just from a lyrical yeah, yeah. standpoint great question so yeah so the whole the album is like is just about like staring at in incoming adulthood and being like to you know like am i supposed to like stop having fun now am i supposed to like get my shit together in some way like am i supposed to be like 
trying to head towards a future where I have like a house and a wife and kids and a white picket fence and shit and like just feeling like no one I know even the people that are like a bit older than me is really anywhere near reaching that like just feels like the world isn't really like a like the American dreams a little bit fucked right now and it doesn't feel like that is like an opportunity that a lot of people really have and I feel like the the, the sort of 1950s like version of the American dream is a little bit uh it's just like an illusion at this point for a lot of people. For so sure. I think that was kind of part of it. And just the feeling that like people are just staying kids for way longer than they used to. Like, just, uh, we're like, damn, like see like 35 year olds just like getting beers with the bros and playing video games. And it's I like, know. that really is not how this used to go down. I don't think no. so. I was interested in that idea. And then I was interested in, um, I was also interested in just like the aspect of like, Okay, but yeah, all of that also could just be like an excuse of to like not take responsibility for your own life. It's just so, so I think the songs on the album sort of go back and forth between being like, like, me, you know, me being like, wow, everything's fucked. Like, uh, I'm a mess. Like, isn't that funny? Blah, 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 you know? And then like these voice memos from my girlfriend just being like, yeah, cool. I'm going to go do my job now. Like, keep, keep you know, good luck with that, you know, or whatever. And so on Phases, which is the second to last song, I'm thinking, like, it's sort of like a low point in the album in terms of, like, I'm, like it's like I've tried a lot of different things and it feels like I'm, like, losing my grasp on what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think in Phases, I'm looking at... This is sort of this thing I've noticed where it's, like, you know, especially people who have, like, money, it's, like oh, like, I'm not really feeling this city anymore. Like, I'm just not inspired. Let me just go to Japan for three months. Or let me, like, <laughs> fly, you know, maybe just move to another city. Or maybe I'll go back to school or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, I guess. Like, obviously there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But it's like, after a, after you see someone do that a few times in a row, it starts to be like, well, maybe the problem is, like, you. And you need to, like, figure your shit out. And it's not... So the song is just me kind of like roasting people who I see as like, just like going through these phases and running through these fucking mazes and all the shit that I say about it. Um, but then I think again, like I try to undercut everything. Like I said earlier, having my girlfriend in these voice memos and as you'll see on the album, like with that song, I think the Stiz feature does a really good job of sort of being like, he's not really thinking about that. He's just right. kind of like focused on like getting, you know, his shit together and sort of like, like, it sort of makes me look like a complainer in a, in a way in comparison <laughs> to him. And, like, you know, uh, I mean, to be completely real, like, growing up, you know, in, like, in suburban Boston versus, like, in, you know, Dorchester, oh, whatever, definitely. like, it is, like, we have different experiences. And I think that, oh, that sure. the song kind of touches on both versions. And I think it's not really, like, a f- argument, but it's just sort of, like, yeah, you, like, once you hear his verse, it's kind of, like, you really realize that, like, this, like, on some level, I'm just, like, fucking complaining about nothing, I guess. Uh, which I think is, um, again, that's like the question of the album, I think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I really like talking about it. No, that's, I, I love all of that. And I think that it's a good duality to think about and, and sort of uh, just kind of put, put together because, like you mentioned, you know, some people that are in kind of weird stages in their lives and they go do some of these things, like you said, go to Japan or go back to school, whatever. But the reality of what you said towards the end was like, not everybody has that privilege to go and do yeah. that. So it's, and, and there's, and it's a good point too, of like, people are just putting off doing some of these things a lot later in life. I mean, yeah. I mean like my parents, I mean, I'm 27. My parents were engaged and ready to be married at, by the time I was, you know, my, yeah, they were my age exact. and yeah, I'm not yeah. even, my parents, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I'm not even in that sort of mindset right now. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's it, just hard to feel like, and I have another song on the album called get my shit together. And there's like a, it's like, 
there's the second verse is just like 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 it's hard to even imagine wanting to like grow up and have kids it's like who's who wants to bring kids in a world that like isn't even going to exist by the time we're like you know that's uh you know which is something i've heard a lot of people say i'm not sure i fully believe that i'm actually a pretty optimistic person but i am just trying to capture this feeling that i feel like everyone in our generation and sort of the generation below has of just like you know what the hell are we really doing? Like, yeah. What, what, how is this supposed to work itself out? You know? Yeah. This, this doom and gloom mentality that I think we've kind of yeah. bestowed onto, you know, our, yeah, like you said, like our, the world we live in now, it, it is, it's a crazy world to live in. I mean, what we yeah. just, what we just went through this last year, it's, it's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> so it's, yeah, like, yeah. I no, think, it's definitely yeah. like, it's not like in the, cause a lot, some of these songs that like I said are like a year or two old now that I haven't put out yet mm-hmm. on this album. And it's like, sometimes you're like i wonder if this is still going to be relevant like by the time it actually comes out because it can be slow in the music industry but in this case it's like yeah things definitely didn't like all get wrapped up and get better after the songs like it's like there's no risk of things suddenly becoming really good you know mm, exactly so, yeah very true on uh, that um yeah. if you could... i'm gonna drive it as soon as i can though yeah, that's all. Well, we're very, definitely very excited for it. Definitely ready for it, and it's, it's it sounds like you're ready to drop it too. I can feel. I've it. been ready, but yeah. it's like yeah, there's I'm, there's like two features I'm waiting on right now that yeah. I'm just like I'm just texting someone and every week being like yo, just seeing if you've done it yet. You know, people have agreed to do it but haven't actually recorded it yet. Uh, but they're 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 pretty big names, so that'll be good. And um, and then I want to do a couple videos and just yeah, so. So I'm going to stall for a month or two and just get out this other, you know, those old vocal versions, hopefully. And some I might do some like acoustic, like just vocal and strings versions of a couple songs, including phases. So I'm just figuring that all out. But then, yeah, hopefully full speed ahead as soon as possible. And then, yeah, for sure. Fine. Absolutely. It's just like the logistics of trying to do this right. You know, if it was me, I'd just be like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow. But there's so much other like, you know, just kind of yeah. factors that involved that with the, the business side of music, unfortunately, how it can how yeah. it can be. Um, if you were to pick like a favorite song, I know we, we obviously haven't heard it yet, but if you had like a favorite song of yours from this project, which which uh, which one would it be? Damn, I mean, maybe it's better to talk about. I mean, of the music I have out, I think there's a bunch of stuff I'm really like. There's a song called uh, Fifteen that I don't know if people listen to, but it's on uh, my last or actually it's two EPs ago, uh, which is one that people should check out. That's like a deep cut that I think people really really like. Okay. Yesterday I was only fifteen. Smoking up and counting all my blessings Backpack full of brownies on a red line I was 15 um, Yeah, and another one called uh, No One Wants to Dance Anymore Which is pretty high on my Spotify right now That people should check out if they want to check more music out No one wants to dance anymore No one wants to laugh anymore Everybody's stressed out of board what do we do? What do we do? You know it's the truth, man. No one wants to thrill anymore. No one wants to chill till it's four. Now I don't got no friends anymore. But yeah, in terms of the album, I mean, yeah, I can. I mean, that Get My Shit Together one is one of my personal favorites. Uh, uh, there's someone I've been trying to get on it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, we'll see. Either way, I'm really proud of that song. But yeah, there'll be a few others by the time. Uh, by the time. We can do another interview if you want after the project is out and we'll... Uh, well, we, we can go through it song by song. What we will do, so that's actually a great point you brought that up because what we were doing at the tail end of last year with a lot of the artists that we work very closely with uh, yeah. that have already come on for a guest speaker episode actually came back on and did album analysis. So we'll have to have you back on for an album analysis episode. We'll just go. Sure. We, we, got, we got all this stuff out of the way. Next time it'll just be straight. Just just go through I, the album. I think track track. really hard about this shit, so it'll be good to... 
Yeah, I can talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that would be great. I would absolutely love that, and I think a lot of people would love to hear kind of like the the behind the scenes and how it all kind of came to be. And yeah, yeah definitely. And once once it's definitely more of a, once it's I guess once it's physically out there or, or virtually out there, however you want to call it. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's I'm excited, and I know you are. It sounds like it's going to be a heck of a body of work. So. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, I definitely want to. Uh, the point. The point. You'll see. The point is that we have no idea. It's no, like no it's, it's, the whole album is a question. The, the title is a question, and every single song is just like, huh? And the last song is called "Don't Wait for Me," and it's just like me telling this girl in the album, just like, I'm still figuring this shit out. So you know, if you gotta, if you need to move on, it's okay. Don't wait for me. You know. So so there's yeah. no big answer for people that need to get their shit together and, and grow it's, up it's like exactly this. the op- it's 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 supposed to feel like the malaise and confusion that i think characterizes the moment we're in Damn. so yeah I'm, I'm not gonna solve uh, unfortunately everybody's problems in this one maybe the next album that's that's what i was hoping for man i was really hoping i was yeah. gonna get that resolution at the end there i feel like it's gonna leave me more questions than answers but that's okay yes 100 <laughs> percent. that's the type of thing it is but yeah <laughs> oh boy kid i'm excited like i said and I, you know what i think the best music honestly gives you in art in general should leave you more questions than answers most of the time. I feel like the thought-provoking things. I feel like if you get, got if you got the answer to the question, you'd move on, right? So yeah, maybe you could replay it back and keep thinking about it. Uh, Completely. What was what's like one of your most favorite songs that you've been a part of? Like if you could name just a handful of like songs you've you know had contributions on that that you're sure, really, yeah. that you're really. Uh, proud I mean, of. I'm a huge St. John fan, and he has this song called "Back on the Ledge." On it's the last song on his new album, and I like that. that's as I've said like a lot of the times the production I do on songs is like fairly focused to just an outro or like certain moments or whatever but in that case the whole song is built around a musical loop that I created and I did the outro and so and then this guy Fallen who does all his stuff to the drums so I just love that song personally um there's one um, if for anyone like R&B fans like Snow Allegra. There's one that Snow I just Allegra. literally me, her, and No ID made in a session, and it's like uh, he and I are the only credited producers on it, and I just did all the music, and he did all the drums, and she wrote you know vocals with uh, I think a co-writer, and um, yeah, that one's called Love Like That. It's on the last her last album, and uh, a lot of people. There's definitely a lot of people that are fans of hers seem to really love that song, so that's a good one. Uh shit. I mean, I mean, Astroworld. Yeah, I did the strings at the end of Coffee Bean at the end of Astroworld. So, like, that's just like, I'm, I'm going to pull up my playlist of stuff I've worked on so I can remember what I've worked on. But that, I mean, that's just like a huge, like, in terms of like, that's probably the most legendary thing I've been a part of. The new Big Sean album, like, being part of that song with him and Nipsey and a couple of other ones was just like, you know, just that legendary shit, you know? I love Deep Reverence. R.I.P. Nipsey. I. Yes. I I truly for me Astro World for Travis Scott was like just a just a different dimension of him really I love that like stop trying to be God easily is one like I'm a big James I mean you you know I'm a big James Blake fan since I comment you you I think you posted a, an instrumental and yeah, you're like yeah. who should be on this I was like oh James Blake would sound great on this oh but, yeah 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 I'm a huge James Blake fan stop trying to be God one of, easily one of my favorite songs that Travis Scott's done I know that's like not a popular they're great song. together no oh, I, I like them together too I, I spoke to James Blake last year like almost ex- I think it was exactly a year ago actually it was right before quarantine happened about this project I was going to do oh, wow. it was going to be like a live orchestra thing and then it fell through because of COVID so I never like we're not like in touch because that call was brokered by like five managers and shit so I was just like that's like so close it'll happen but it's like, yeah, that that relationship. I gotta, I gotta like find another way. Oh, how good is he? His uh, assume he's form, dope, yeah. assume form was amazing. Like that was one of my favorite albums from from twenty nineteen. 
I love yeah, Zoom I, I really liked it. Uh, I know some people like it wasn't their favorite thing of his because it's like they didn't want to hear him with trap drums. But I personally was a huge fan. Same, I love trap that drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Well, he, uh, yeah, he definitely went from like the more like Bonnie Vare, like very um, lo-fi aesthetic, like type yeah. of. Uh, I think I like know where my audience is too because I started like asking people in my like tiktok comments and uh, you've seen like yeah like i post snippets of songs and i'm like who should hop on this and like or i even ask like people like who are your favorite artists right now and uh, there's a lot of people who will be like my favorite artists are like the weekend travis scott and james blake and i'm like that's great that's exactly where i'm trying to that's be it, so that's, if, if yeah. my fans like that stuff then that's like yeah that's because it's i, I want to be like a big pop star like the weekend but i like the production of travis and i think I think vocally, I'm probably closest to James Blake, if any of them. But I don't know. Obviously, I have my own sound, but just that sort of darker, yeah, weirder sort of tone. I think that so. man's falsettos. Well, him and the weekend's falsettos are ridiculous. I mean, I couldn't. Yeah, it's it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. But I mean, that's that's really cool, man. I, I uh, Saint John is an artist that. I haven't listened. I admittedly have not listened to enough of. I need to definitely get into a little. Yeah, more yeah, you should. He's, I mean, he's definitely he's been around, but he's he sort of like got rediscovered and then like introduced to a much broader audience mm. uh last year with that remix of his song roses but um yeah i mean if you like if you like yeah i mean if you're like a fan of like post malone and weekend and that type totally. of shit, like big melodic stuff i mean he's just like i think a like a sort of like a less poppy like sort of a slightly more edgier version of that sure. type of thing almost but Definitely. yeah i think yeah Definitely. he's cool okay so yeah, so. and it's cool having you know been able to work with him. But yeah, it's um, I'd really love to get a song with him. But I know he's 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 I, I, I'm told he's not picking up the phone for Rihanna even right now. So you know, not picking up the phone for Rihanna. That's what I'm told. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh but that's my it, goodness, I would he oh yeah, I would never. I think I, would, I think <laughs> I think everyone was just kind of hitting him up for every you know. True, because he's he's that, that, that might that may have been a. Sort of a joke. Whoever told me that, but yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, too maybe. funny. Well, hey, yeah. So you, so the the St. John track, Coffee Bean, you had mentioned, and uh, was was there an yeah, any Snow Allegra? So we Snow talked Allegra, about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess like a personal, uh, like a thing that was really personally important to me was uh, I did a couple moments of strings and stuff like that on the new Tide Dolla Sign album, Ooh, I like and Dolla he's Sign. just like, I feel like he. he Hopefully, people who know shit give him credit, but I feel like he he isn't like maybe as widely known as as the people he's like constantly featured on. But which is why he like named the album featuring Ty Dolla Sign because he's trying to like, make fun of that. But like he's just someone who I always have like recognized as like a very like musical person. Oh, for sure. Who like is just incredible like you know harmonies and like plays a bunch of instruments and all that. And um, I just. Uh, I just always wanted to like get in the room with him and do my thing a little bit and have him be like, Oh shit. Yeah, you're good. You know? Mm -hmm. And I, I did get to like that, that experience for like an hour, uh, so like, uh, just me and him and his engineer, like, uh, in the fall when he was wrapping it up. And I was like, literally I was in the studio next door with rumor, the guy with the ski mask. I don't know if you know him, RMR rumor. Like he's one of my favorite artists right now. Did you see uh, Rascal? He, like it was like his Rascal Flats cover last year. It was like a bunch of dudes in ski masks waving guns around singing Rascal Flats. Uh, it's really so. good. You should. I, I, I gotta go check that. Yeah, out. Yeah, check that out. It's unbelievable. And he has the voice of an angel. And he's like one of my favorite artists right now. So he's actually gonna be one of the people on my album. But he, um, I was with him, and that was a session where Nelly just randomly showed up. So it was like <laughs> me, Rumor, Nelly, and a few other people. And Ty Dolla Sign just like was working next door, heard the session, 
walked in, said what's up, spotted me because we had met before, and was just like, "Yo, come come work with me for a second And you know, on the album that I'm trying to fix a few transitions. So just walked down the hall as a record plant, and uh, got to do my thing and and got my uh, got my uh, kudos or whatever from him. So that was a, that was a personal moment that I was really excited about. That's pretty sweet. This rumor artist yeah. you're mentioning, how do you spell it again? It's just RMR. RMR. Some people, most people, I think, probably call him that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. I see. No, I have not checked this guy yes. out, but I'm going to add some stuff from him. It's now. like he, it, he's all about the juxtaposition. Like he's got like he all of his imagery is just like this crazy like everyone's got masks on and guns and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and like bulletproof vests and all that. And then he's just got like the absolute voice of an angel and he's <laughs> like, his whole persona is like very sort of just like incredibly sweet that. and sort of flamboyant and it's just, yeah, it's like, That's it's cool. incredible. I like he's, that he's a lot. Great. Yeah. To, to your Ty Dolla Sign point, if yeah. you have to go back a little bit, but the free TC project, specifically the song Horses in the Stable, if anyone would go, oh, listen, yeah, yeah. go back and listen to that song, would prove your point thousand percent with the whole like just kind of the way he's able to just as a musician that song's amazing to me that's one of my yeah yeah he's undeniable and i think he's also like not necessarily fixated on making like pop hooks which i think is why he's maybe never had i mean he's had a couple but i guess like yeah you definitely most people i think associate him more with the features he's done on big artists than his own hit songs maybe but like yeah, I think he's just trying to get so much detail in there, and I think it's just it, it, they definitely reward like repeat listens. You've been able to work with so many of these cool artists, and I, I really just uh, I think it's just an amazing journey for you, and, and it's been fantastic. And it's just really great to see somebody from Massachusetts that's able to get in the room with some of these pe- some of these artists, and um, yeah, really yeah, just it's create the it's music. It's cool, and I, I said this too, I think in uh, some video or something that like it's it's been crazy with the Boston stuff too, just like. They all have this studio in like Burbank, California, which is like, like I'll go there and there'll be like eight people working there and they're all from Boston, like Boston and like Brockton, uh, New Hampshire, whatever, you know, like there's this dude, Aziz the Sheikh, who's from, I think, New Hampshire, who's like, he works with this artist, Bia, a lot, who's this big sort of R&P singer, Mm -hmm. she's from Boston, like I've seen them there, like Stiz, Lil Rich, um, Little Rich, yeah, he's doing some big things out out in uh, this LA dude. Right Khalif now. was on a Grammy winning project. That's he's like does like Afrobeat stuff. He's from Boston. Oh, it's shit. just like and they're out, everybody knows each other too. It's like all this one kind of extended crew, and it's just like it's uh yeah. Who is uh you know Quaku? Uh, he he. Does, I forget what his last name is, but he uh, he calls it Boss Angeles. <laughs> that that specific part that's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that begs the question though is why. Well, I kind of know the answer why, but like, I'm I'm curious as to if this will ever change. Where, like, will Boston ever be a market for music? Like, will people be able to stay and be a national? Yeah. You know what I mean? Be a national. I mean, name, name. In, in, in Boston's defense, I would say like there isn't really any. City. I mean, it's, it, you could probably do it full time in Atlanta or Nashville, but like New York. Too. If you're like a big Houston rapper, like if you're really trying to make it, you move to LA at some point, or you at least sense. start going there. Even if you're from Chicago, like. You know, Chance and like I like I met Vic Mensa in L.A. and we worked with him when he was living in L.A. Like you know, we went back to Chicago a lot and now he's back there. But like L.A. is just kind of where it is right now. I mean, not even like New York really. Like all the people who used to live in New York have all moved to L.A. too. So I think that's just the nature of it. But okay. uh, I think that would be cool. I mean, I would like to move back to Boston and just be there full time instead of visiting. You know, like I would rather be there than. I mean, I guess the winters suck, but you know, I like in general. Like I mean. 
Like I, I was there all summer during quarantine and in December, and it was just like this summer was just so great in Boston. I was like really glad to be there. Oh, summer, yeah. So I feel like, yeah. I, I don't think you can beat the summer months in Boston because you, or specifically Massachusetts, even because you can. I mean, I'm a big hiker. I love going up to New Hampshire, and then you can go down. Yeah. To, you can get like the mountains, city, and beach all in like the span of like an hour drive. Really, it's it's that's I love that aspect of of Boston specifically. I mean, I know you can kind of get that in California too, but I feel like it's not the same. I don't know. It, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it, it, it's like year round hiking and stuff here. That's, I think that's like the main draw of it actually. But yeah. yeah and like the hiking's like right in the middle of the city. There's just like a, you know, the, yeah. the hills and shit, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, yeah, the feeling's different. It's like the excitement isn't quite there. Everyone mm-hmm. here is just kind of chilling all the time. It's sure. not, you know, Definitely. Um, so yeah, I definitely prefer to be back east when I can. But yeah. Increasingly, I think that's what that's what I'm gonna do. Awesome. I have, I have one. Actually, this ties into my last question. But well, before my final question, I have one last question for you. Sure. Um, and that is exactly that. Like, what has when you look back on your time in Massachusetts? I know you're back here every so often, but like, yeah. what what has Massachusetts really meant to you? Just from a growth standpoint or just as kind of, like I said, a staple in your life, like what is, what is Massachusetts and Boston in particular? What does it really mean to you? Well, I mean, like I said, all, all the songs are really just about like my upbringing there and like just hanging out in high school and like in my town, you could really just like walk from house party to house party and like go smoke weed in the woods and swim in the reservoir and like, you know, get on top of some of the buildings in the center of town and hang out because it was like the whole town shuts down at 9 p.m. And I just like that entire conception of the suburbs is like so much of how I think of like youth, mm-hmm. like the feeling of youth. And like, I don't like I get I, I guess in a lot of the country, like the suburbs is much more like driving around and stuff mm-hmm. uh, like long distances to get from thing to thing. But I feel like, in you know, Winchester and some of those other towns it's like i just really connected to that aspect of it mm. and like you know like the boston accent and stuff like that like it's just like you know it's yeah. like it's home. like half my teachers have that shit you know <laughs> uh yeah. you know and then uh and then certainly musically i mean like it's it's funny because i know like a lot of the artists i'm working with and some of these you know podcasts and stuff that i'm doing right now like are more centered around the scene of like people doing like live DIY performances in the city of Boston, which I like did not have any part in at all when I was growing up. But like it was, you know, but my experience with like the classical music thing and going to Boston Symphony and like, you know, uh, getting off at the symphony stop on the green line to, you know, to go to my like lessons or whatever, like that is a huge part of like, I mean, everything that I really learned about how to do music is stuff that I learned in that setting. And so as much as it's like a totally different part of Boston culture, I feel like it is, uh, it's the part that I kind of was first introduced to. So I feel like, sure. yeah, I feel like those are, those are the main things, but yeah. so, I would like to work with more artists too. Like, I mean, people have been sending me their music a lot and they should, if they want followers of this can like, like as the Stiz song came out and I think people are starting to find me, I'm getting a lot of like, yo, I'm a rapper from whatever, uh, this part of Boston or the, you know, fucking, uh, Worcester or, um, like lol or whatever you know like um saying check out my music and it's like i'm much more excited to listen to that stuff than i am about like whatever kid from toronto is sending me i mean i try to listen to everything people send me but i definitely when it's from boston i'm just like oh let me let me check this out and hopefully we can do more i mean i think as hopefully as my stuff gets bigger i can like bring some people up yeah that'd be cool yeah we have we've uh definitely with us we've built quite a little networking community out here which so we we, i work with some really just 
profoundly talented people in this in this area like you wouldn't anyone that's listening to this outside of Massachusetts I mean like and it's something that I actually had to like get to know as well because before I started this podcast or really once we I would say shifted the podcast into more of the Massachusetts music scene but I wasn't even too keen on like the indie scene here and then I wasn't really even keen on like artists outside of you know your, your Millie's, your Joyner Lucas's, your yeah. you know cousin Stizzes, even Michael Christmas. Like those are names I knew. And then when you dig deeper and and like really kind of think like and and listen to some other artists that are doing some great things, like it's incredible. The Van Buren camp with you know Luke Bars and uh, Lord Felix and and Giles yeah. and all those guys and Ricky Felix are doing a f- just phenomenal job. Their collective's incredible and the Atherlace. Uh, collective as well with Dev Soder and China Blue, and then you have yeah, Heath. he's awesome. I love this shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then Heath Two Forty, who's doing some really great things as well. I know he just relocated to to Florida, but he does the he's really got down the whole bedroom pop thing. Like, there's just yeah, so yeah. many there's so many amazing artists in this area. Do like, you know uh, this band Brevin Kim? You should oh, check them. They're out great, okay, man. Cool. They're really cool. They got that cool like little experimental yeah. like indie style yeah. that I'm just I'm an, I'm an airman with their stuff. They're awesome. They're good guys too. I like them. Mm. Yeah, they seem. But like, yeah, that's that's all great. I mean, I definitely, I think also like you're probably seeing like you, you it's, it's, it, it's more impactful for you to, to review something from someone that totally you know, is part of like, it, it makes such a huge difference versus doing a review of like the Travis Scott album where it's like cool, but it's like that there's a million of those. And it's like, but you, you know, if you're the only person who's really onto something else that's coming up, I feel like that, you know, that gives you more agency too, which is exciting. Well, it's funny you said that too, because that's, we've, we've shifted a lot of that. I mean, our earlier episodes, if you dig deep, I mean, this is going to be episode like 103. So we've, we've definitely been doing this for quite a while, but you dig, you dig some deeper, some of the episodes, like we had, uh, you know, we used to, you know, review all the popular stuff. And like you said, that that there's a place for that, but you know, the proprietary thing, like, again, like when we shifted, that's when we saw a lot of growth, but also like, I was just put onto so much just talent and, and people in here this, that are just artists that are just doing incredible things. And so yeah. it's just, yeah, huge shout out to the entire Massachusetts music scene. Who's wherever it's you're so located sick. now, because you know, yeah. if you're, if you're rooted here, like there's just a different energy. It just, you, you kind of understand the culture of, of mass yeah, and Boston yeah, specifically for sure, man. Yeah. And, and I'm just glad just again, like I've said a couple of times, just really glad to see you doing some amazing things. And, uh, when I when I heard you from Winchester, I was like, no. I even had some family that uh, lived in Winchester for quite a while. Oh, for so, real? Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just cool. It's that a good vibe. I was like seeing what, what what's going on when I come back, and you know they like blew up the high school and built a new high school and all that. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Sweet>. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's not not a lot has changed though. They still you know the the fells are still hopping. I used to hike. The fells are the fells are the best. Oh, there's a, there's a sandwich shop. There's I think there's like three of them. Might be one in like Woburn. There's but it's called Dagostinos, which are just dags, and there's it's in Winchester. You know dags. So you don't so know Dags. My, gro- oh, you do, you do my Dags. girlfriend turned me on to to Dags. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, you just have to get the Italian sub, and it's just like, dude, you don't, don't, you don't make any. You just tell them, I want the Italian. That's my order. Shit. That's literally my order. Literally it's my so order. Fantastic. It takes it. Oh, so fantastic. So when I come good. back every single time, I literally I get off the like MBTA train from <laughs> like because it goes like <laughs> five blocks from my house. I get off. I walk one block to Dags, get the Italian sandwich, and then go to. That's incredible. Oh. My my girlfriend, yeah. when she gets this part in the podcast, probably be cracking up laughing. Shout out Carissa, who put me on to D'Agostino's because, like I said, I... I oh, oh, what place that I absolutely... We used to go to all the time when I was living in Medford. Fuck, I can't remember the name now. In Winchester? No, in Medford. Oh, in Medford. Um, 
Oh my god. Oh, I'll, sh- I'll oh. shout out one other. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You go. You go first. I'll shout out uh, also this place, Andrea's, or I guess some people call it Andrea's, but I'm gonna just call it Andrea's Pizza in in uh, Winchester, which has a buffalo chicken calzone, uh, which we uh, the buff chick calzone was a big part of high school. Oh, and then oh, another one was um. Bill and Bob's roast beef in oh, uh, Woburn. Yeah, dude. Bill, well, there's, fucking, there's one in Salem. So that's like a. I didn't realize this, but that's like that style of roast beef is like a New England thing that doesn't exist no, anywhere else. It's, yeah. No, it's not even a New England thing. It's a North Shore, Massachusetts thing. Like I went, right, to, right, I right. went to Framingham State, and I'm asking around my freshman year because I love that shit. Like we had Bill and Bob's in Salem. I, I grew up in Danvers, so yeah. I like I would go to the Salem one more so than I would go to the. Um, to the uh, what's it called to the to the Woburn one but yeah. I'm out in Framingham which isn't even like you would think about Framingham it's not even that far from you know Winchester yeah. and Danvers and I'm asking around and I'm is. like yeah and I'm asking around I'm like where's the roast beef three-way I need a roast beef and people yeah. are like what are you talking about I'm like yeah you mean you mean like they're like oh oh you mean like Kelly's I'm like no yeah. oh, <laughs> like no. <laughs> no no that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about like a mom and pop place that does roast beef no yeah, it's, like it's a bright red ass like yeah. Oh, so good. Specifically, yeah. so how do you do your roast beef? Do you do do you do three way? Yeah. Oh, you, I feel like that's the only way to do it. My girlfriend doesn't get the sauce. It but drives they me. They had it. it I bonkers. think they called there was there was also the size and the and the one that the good size one was called the super beef. The super I think. with the onion roll. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so <laughs> so you eat well when you get back here. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they got yeah, good yeah. food in L. A. But I mean, that's that's stuff that's proprietary. It's, def- it's different. You know? It's different. It's proprietary. Now the other place I was going to mention too is Bob's in Medford. We used to go there all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That place is crazy too. Bob's Italian okay. foods. I mean, I need, I need to look. I'm gonna look at a picture of my life. Oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I can't remember what yeah. street it's on in Medford, but it's. Um, yeah, yeah, and they got like sandwiches and shit too, right? Oh yeah, and they got like incredible Italian food. Like, the, dude, the sandwiches are like if you get the jumbo sandwich, it'll feed like yeah, a, either really a family of four or feed you for a week. Like, it's crazy. That's so, the way to do it. It's wild, man. Oh, that's too funny. That's 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 what. Yeah. Good time. A lot of lot of great food out here for sure. I mean, I know people would probably say no that question. anywhere, but don't don't don't. Johan Lennox, everyone. Thank you, dude. First of all, thank you so much for being here. This has been a great episode. You're not quite done yet, though. I have, okay. my, I have my final question. I ask every artist that comes on this episode. Yes. Oh, sorry. I have my final question that I ask every artist that comes on this podcast, and that is the dream song scenario. So I'll break that down for you. Yeah. You, you now yours will be a little different because you've worked with some 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 pretty heavy hitters, but. You yeah. get a song. This is like, so take out the business side of it, the industry, all of it. You get a song, one song, and you can make that song with any artist, dead or alive. You get one or two producers if you want to go two for, and you get three guest artists on that on that song. So, Johan Lennox's dream song can be with any artist, dead or alive. Don't even doesn't even matter about the blend. Some people are like they they throw in a bunch of artists and they're like, I don't know how it would work. Doesn't matter. It's the dream song. Yeah. So, two, one, one or two producers, three guest artists. Of course, you can like do whatever you want on it. You can get a yeah, verse. Yeah. You can do a chorus, whatever you want. But anyway, so who is on Johan Lennox's dream song? Take all the time you need. Go. Yeah, I probably start with the. I mean, I, I think like going to yeah, going to the beautiful dark Tours of fantasy route. Like just the idea of these like chaotic songs that have like this incredibly symphonic scale to them. Like, I would have Kanye as a producer, I think, Ooh. instead of as a rapper. Although, you know, he's good with that, too. I like and his I would production. Have, um... I mean, I'd probably just get Kanye and Mike Dean to do it. But I'm trying to think if there's someone at, like, maybe maybe like a Quincy Jones or something, you know, like, just to, just to bring in some, like, 
some of that older kind of poppier shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm just going to say that and we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, we're not worried about it. I think that could work it. really well. Kanye and Quincy Jones. And then on the production and then on, yeah, on the vocals. I'm not even thinking all time. I guess I'm thinking kind of current, but do you know who 070 Shake is? Of course I know 070 yeah, Shake. Yeah, she's Heck like yeah. one of my, I mean, I've worked with her, but yeah, definitely like she's probably like someone I would just, because she's so hard to get to, so I would just be like, definitely need her. So, I mean, yeah, we're looking at kind of kids see ghost world already, but yeah, then uh, throw in, I'm going to throw in like a wrench a little bit, make it weird. Uh, maybe, um, yeah, like maybe Bonnie Vera. I feel like I'm just making Ooh. a Kanye album here, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, so I've got to think how to make Quincy Jones. Why, why is that part important? Maybe like The weekend. And he, he can do the Michael Jackson shit, and the weekend I'll sing it, and then Shake will do like a crazy outro. And what am I missing? A central artist? Whose record is it? It's, it's your my record. It's, it's, it's your it's record. Me featuring. It's, it's Johan Lennox's record. You you get yeah. like it's when it when featuring. Yeah. Yeah. Did I did I say two artists? Or, I said Shake you Weekend said, and Shake Weekend, and you said Bonnie Vare. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty damn good. That am I missing sick. anything? And then you had the production. You said Mike Dean and well, no, you said Quincy Jones and, and Quincy Jones and, and Kanye. Kanye. That sounds pretty good. I think it sounds great. Maybe like throw Rihanna on with like a couple ad libs. You know? Yeah, just give her like some harmonies in the, vo- in, the, in the hook or something like that. That would that could work. Yeah, yeah. All right, Johan Lennox featuring uh, Bonnie Vare, O Seven O Shake, The Weekend, Rihanna, produced by Mike Dean, Kanye West, Quincy Jones. I think it would be a hell of a song. Maybe I think it'd be a hit. It'd be like nine minutes long too. Oh, it'd have to be. Well, it have like it would probably have like a a dark fantasy intro, right? Yeah, with yeah. like you know what I mean, with like a, a beautiful string quartet or something like that. Who you know, you could get creative with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, you're you're the man to do it. So why not, right? <laughs> I like this. This is good. <laughs> Everyone I'm inspiring myself. There you go. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna go make. Th- I'm gonna go make what I think that song would sound like right now. <laughs> Honestly, like if I if that gives you inspiration, I love that. Every, everyone loves that question. That's like everyone's favorite question. So. Even yeah, even uh, e- even other local Boston podcasts have stolen stolen it. Not why well, not stolen. It. They've borrowed it. They've, yeah, yeah, they've, yeah. They've oh, well, I see it. like memes that are kind of like that. I feel like I don't know, like double XL or Pigeons and Planes will be like, pick pick your producer, pick your you know, yeah, pick your yeah. guest feature, you know, yeah. second guest and so on. So yeah, oh, but that's okay. I'll, I'll tell that. I'm sure you invented it, and they all all those meme pages told it from you and yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna yeah. send in a patent for it for sure. No one else can ask it without crediting us. Should do that. <laughs> oh, Johan Lennox, thank you so much for being here, man. What a what a fantastic episode. Great insight, thank you. and just uh, not only into you, but also just you know the, the scene out in LA and just what you've and just what you've been doing throughout your career. And we just wish you nothing but the best. We'll be definitely riding uh, riding with you till till the very end. I can say that for thank sure. You. And I am taking you up here. on that. You are coming back to do an album analysis. You are coming it. once it drops, and I and I can sit with it for a little while, and then we'll uh, we'll come back. You are coming back and uh, doing Sick. that for sure. So, thank you so much for being here, man. Plug, thank you. Plug yourself, you know. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, it's just at Johan Lennox, which is J O H A N L E N O X. Lennox. That is not my real last name. That's actually from Lennox, Massachusetts, where I used to do summer camp. It's one Lennox with one N. So. Out, no, out in the middle of nowhere. The only the only thing I've ever done in Lennox, Massachusetts, is go to the Edith Wharton house when I was a senior in oh, college. Oh yeah, yeah, That's right. It's all this like <laughs> Shakespeare and classical music shit. But yeah, it's right near like Pittsfield and um, yeah. like you know Stockbridge. Yeah, so Johan at Johan Lennox everywhere, J O H A N L E N O X. I've got 
two EPs out. I've got this Phases song out. I got a bunch of new stuff coming. And then I have an album this summer. So go on tour and play some shows after that. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, definitely excited to get to some shows for sure. I hope that we can we can get shows hopefully in the next yeah. six months or less. I'm hoping, but It'd be great. Would definitely be. And of course, if you're just a fan of Johan Lennox coming on to us for the first time, definitely make sure to follow us at Turntable Teachers on Instagram, TikTok, yes. uh, all that good stuff. Head to our website, www.turntableteachers.com, offer all the latest blogs, podcast episodes, and information on us. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel and or wherever you get podcasts. And of course, make sure you stream phases. It is going to be linked in the description. Give Johan Lennox a follow. You will not be sorry that you did. And once again, thank you so much for being here, Johan. This was an absolute pleasure. And not only for me, but everybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure, is, is just thrilled to, to hear it. And, and again, thank you so much for, for your you time. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate great it. Of course, of course. Well, without further ado, I'm Mike. This is Johan Lennox with the Turntable Teachers. And class is officially dismissed. Turn, 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 turn,